Welcome to the Cat and Moose podcast. I'm Cat and I'm Moose. This is a true life podcast where we explore the quirks of being human. Well, hi, Moose. Hey there. How are you? What are you doing over there? Well, I'm admiring my fingernails that are painted. Oh, yes, they do look good. I noticed that. Okay, I never paint my fingernails because um, I'm kind of a nail biter and I don't like the way that fingernail polish tastes. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the girls in the office came in the other day and I noticed her hands look so pretty and her nails were painted and they were this kind of off-white color with a little bit of a like a pink tint. Mm-hmm. And I just thought the color was so pretty. And so um, recently it was my sister's 40th birthday. And for her 40th birthday, her husband gave her like a spa day where she got to go and get her nails done and get a massage and get her eyebrows waxed and get her hair blown out. And he asked me, he said, Hey, will you go with her to all those things? Cause it's probably oh, cool. fun to do it with a person. And so, um, I had to get a Manny and a Petty. So I'm like, well, if I've got to get a Manny, I'm going to get my nails looking like Becky. So they look great. And, and we realize we go, Becky goes to the same nail salon that my sister and I were at. And we think that I picked the same color that's pretty cool yeah so that's that's really fun to have painted nails for a change well they look beautiful because i got a manicure do you know i have a thing with cuticles i do Do, i'd I'd like to hear more about it well no i just every time is it a fetish or is it a tick a fetish (laughs) what's the difference between a fetish and a tick well i think fetish means that there's something sinister happening see i think it's more sexual like it, i, I meant, think it's like i was afraid to say it. like if somebody says like hey i have a foot fetish it's like oh feet really turn them on which seems- so it's not a fetish oh no i just when i watch tv i like to take cuticle cutters and like every single time and i cut my cuticles like, do you and- cut them down to the point that they're bloody or do no. you just give yourself a manicure i basically just give myself a manicure and I- if anyone's sitting next to me i always offer my services <laughs> It's like, I don't know where it came from, but the past year, like I don't, next to my couch, there's always cuticle cutters. Well, that's amazing. I didn't know that. I clearly need to come to your house more. Um, See, I bite my nails and I bite them to the point that there is bleeding and gnashing of teeth. I've never seen your nails that short. Well, they, they are often. And then they, you know, I've got one of the hangnails that like hurts to just look at it. My cuticle cutters could take care of that. (laughs) They certainly could. So speaking of my sister's 40th birthday, um, her and her husband went to a restaurant for dinner that night and asked me, would you be willing to watch the boys? Well, it was on a Sunday night and the boys have got school Monday morning. And so we were all kind of stressed out like, Oh, like, what do we do? Cause their reservation is late. They're going to get in late. And I said, guys, I said, I'm an adult. I can watch the boys and they can spend the night at my house and I can take them to school the next morning. Okay. Tell me their ages again. I'm- okay. So, so two nephews, one is eight and the other one is about 14 months old. Okay. And um, so anyway, my sister had a look of terror on her face because she knows I'm not a parent. She knows that the best I can do is parent my dogs and I don't even do that incredibly well. And, um, but reluctantly she and her husband said, well, yeah, we will let the boys spend the night over here. And then, you know, you can take them to school the next morning. And I was so proud that everyone lived through the night. I'm impressed. Honestly, I I woke up every hour on the hour. I turned the flashlight on on my phone and I went and looked in the baby's pack and play to make sure it was breathing it. He (laughs) to make sure that he was breathing. 
and then I would take the flashlight and I would go look at my eight year old nephew and I would, I would hold my breath and I would listen and I could hear. So he was breathing. So every hour on the hour, both boys breathed all the way through the night, I woke the up alive the next morning, had Cheerios, had breakfast. I, I changed a diaper, like the whole nine yards. I felt so accomplished and that I had really blessed my sister for her 40th birthday because she got to have a, a night where she could stay up as late and do whatever the heck she wants and then get up in the morning and not have to worry about taking care of her boys. So that's well, amazing. What did they do? We watched star Wars. Oh, I meant them. Like what did they do with their time? Oh, my husband. Er, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I was just wondering like after dinner, what do you, do you think they did? Well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what they did, but I, I have heard, I've just heard that my brother-in-law bought my sister a pair of boots for Christmas that are thigh highs. What? <laughs> Your sister wearing thigh high boots? I mean, admit it. She would look amazing. She totally would. But I just don't see her picking that out herself. I, I don't think that she would pick that out herself. Do you think she wore them to dinner? I, I know she didn't wear them to dinner because I saw what she wore to dinner. But what I didn't see is what happened after dinner. Wow. Because I had the boys. <laughs> it's getting racy over here. It's getting a little racy in here. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think that's amazing, though, that you... I, I would be really nervous. I'll tell you this. I kept my little niece, my one of my best friend's daughters, who is like a niece to me. I kept her for like six hours. Now, she was a baby baby. And I thought I was going to die. As if a 14-month-old is not a baby baby? No. I mean, she was like six months old. And, she, you know, she couldn't talk. Like, at least at that age, they can start talking. But... Uh, I mean, I my, my nephew just goes... He's not, like, saying... I mean... In his mind, I'm sure he's saying something to me, but he's not saying anything that I understand. Okay. Okay, well, so you watched a baby. <laughs> I'm proud of you. My point is I am proud of you. You survived. Thank you. I would have taken them to the wrong school or something. <laughs> so I am very impressed with you. Okay, now the carpool line. Yeah, went, is that like a whole thing? It's a whole thing. I got to tell you, I have a lot of friends <laughs> on the social media that take like selfies in the carpool line. And really? it's funny if like... You're, okay, you're trying to not run over children. How can you take? I'm just selfies? telling you. I see a lot of people taking selfies in the car, oh and like, God. and like the comments are like, "No makeup, I'm crazy." Hashtag wild or whatever, you know. And it's hmm. like, oh, so is it take a long time? Well, it it, it took about 15 minutes max. Oh, that's not bad. And there were two rows, and they were all. It was kind of like I was in India or in the UK or something because it was. It felt like I was driving in the incorrect lane. Oh yeah. And then there were two cars next to each other. Like they were, they, they ushered us in two by two. And, but then children would just pop out of cars. Like, like there was no semblance of order. Like a child, seven cars behind me just got out and was like, bye mom, you know, oh. and just ran through all the cars and no children got hit. Wait a minute. So do they like get your children out of the car? They don't. Oh. You just pull up and you and I guess the children are supposed to get out when you're at the front of the line. But there were some children who were just like, I'm not sitting here anymore. I'm getting out of mom's car and I'm running into school. So, so there were just children running everywhere. Did your six 
18 month old nephew just run out of the car? Well, no, he was in the car seat. Like I dropped him off at daycare, but the okay. eight year old did. He, he said, auntie, he goes, I'm ready to get out of the car now. And I said, ah, well, we're not at the front of the line. And he goes, oh, it doesn't matter. He got out of the car and he said, love you. And I was like, okay. And he got out the, and I said, I love you too. And, you know, and he got out of the car and just weaved himself in and out of cars all the way up to the front door of the school. I was oh terrified. I'm terrified listening to it. Yep. Well, I, I imagine as many parents that are out there that there are some really interesting carpool stories. Oh, there have to be. And I would love to hear one where a fight took place. Oh, man. Like two moms got into it. Like a cat fight. Yeah, like a cat fight. Hello at catandmoosepodcast.com. Please send us your carpool stories. And what, what we don't want you to send us is how disappointed you are with us that we don't know the complexities of having children or being in a carpool line. It's just not, neither one of us have children. So I, I know that people listening might be like, man, like these girls haven't lived. The, I feel like I kind of guess, I, I think I know what it's like though. Cause I feel like sitting in the Kroger clickless line is probably similar. <laughs> Or maybe like driving through Wendy's. I mean, I, I feel like I understand the pressure. You're going to get hate mail. I feel like I understand the pressure of like having to have your card ready and you know what I mean? Like knowing the right time to pull forward. Dude, the, the mother's listening to this I'm podcast saying, right I now. They're sending you. I put my click list order in and I come <laughs> and I have to call a number and a guy comes out like. I understand it, but I just want to hear more stories. And, and I want to hear more stories too, but I, I can guarantee you there is at least one mother listening that has a voodoo doll that is poking you in the head right now. A little moose voodoo doll. <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. Okay. So what I want to know is we were having a conversation the other day and you in the middle of the conversation, as if you had genuine Tourette syndrome said, shut up, Carol. <laughs> and and it, it, there was no one named Carol in the room, at least at that time that I was aware of. So can you, can you talk about Carol? Oh yeah. But I, in order to know Carol, you have to know Raya. Okay. So I, again, back to therapy, blah, blah, blah. This is a therapy podcast. No, it's not. Okay. So that was both Rhea and Carol having a conversation. <laughs> so I was with my therapist and I was having this entire conversation about how, you know, that critic in our head shuts down a lot of really great ideas or tells, tells us that we, you know, we're too old, we're not talented enough, all these different things. And so I went into therapy with like this whole like, Oh, like I have this side of me and I have this side of me and I wish this side came out more. And my therapist wanted me to name these voices in my head. <laughs> uh, so is this like, are you, it's multiple you have, personality. That's what I was going to ask. Is it a multiple personality no, thing? It is not. Okay. Um, so it's like two different elements of your consciousness. Yeah. Okay. So I guess you can have as many as you want to <laughs> personality. It's not quite personalities. <laughs> it's more just kind of the different, uh, voices that you hear. And so I like the idea of naming it once I started doing it because now I can call them out and have a conversation with them. Okay. The rule about you naming your voices is that everyone's welcome. Mm. That's what my therapist said. Like everyone's there for a reason. Everyone has a purpose. Mm. I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you can decide to go which way you want. But we started with who I believe is like my essence like my true essence, my highest 
version of myself, my healthiest person. Kind of like your spirit animal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so I, I decided to name her Rhea, um, because, um, there is this person in my life who, uh, whose partner was named Rhea and, and Rhea was like very wild and free. Mm. And she just, um, you know, she took life by the mm. horns. Is that a phrase? Yeah. Um, and you know, wasn't just didn't live in fear. Mm-hmm. And guess what? She spent some time in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, So, so we might be running a campaign later in this podcast where we're trying to get moose out of jail. So well, uh, yeah. So please let me out. Um, I think I've already passed that phase though, okay. but she like, I mean, she had some touch and go moments in her life and whatever, and she's no longer with us, but Um, I remember reading about her and after she did pass, seeing so many different people, um, commenting about her life. And I remember thinking like, that is what I want. I want to live so fully that I'm, um, not worried about what other people think. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm aware of people's needs and pain and all of that, but I'm, I'm living my life fully. So I named that side of me, Rhea. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we got talking about the other voice I hear, which is the critic, if you will. And, um, gosh, she's annoying. Like, (laughs) so her name is Carol. Okay. And Carol, like she wears pantyhose and pumps (laughs) and like long skirts, but not like cute skirts, like just long skirts. And like, she's just real buttoned up. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm not sure she knows how to have a good time. Like, you know, you'll, you'll offer her to come to a party, but you, you know, you don't think she'll come and then she'll come and she's kind of the Debbie downer on Saturday night live. Uh, you know what I mean? Where everybody's having a good want. time and she'll be like, did you know that my uncle died last month? Mm. And everyone just stops the conversation. Yeah. That's Carol in my head. 24 hours a day. Carol is a. <laughs> <laughs> now, does she know this? Like, is she, is she kind of like a, Hey guys, I know I'm a Debbie downer. I know I'm a like or is she like like give yeah, me a little bit a, more about no she's like a martyr i i mean no offense but i think she's a two on the enneagram oh my god but giant one wing maybe a one with a two wing i'm gonna give her that um but she is like she loves she's probably one with the two wing but she loves rules god she loves rules and so <laughs> you know what i mean like like, so do, do ones love rules or do twos love rules? Ones. But okay. I mean, like on the two side, she, she's in her, she's disintegrating. <laughs> <laughs> she's an Enneagram two in the arrow of disintegration. Yeah. And so uh, she's probably one of the two wing and, and the two side is like, well, I'm just trying to help you. And I'm like, I didn't oh. ask for your help, Carol. Mm-hmm. Hey, Carol, go back to where you came from, mm-hmm. which I think that's in my head, but mm-hmm. she needs to close the door and stay away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, imagine you have Rhea who is wild and free and she wants to put on like bohemian clothes and go out into a field and run around and, you know, experience life mm-hmm. in every way and break a lot of rules. Yeah. And you know, what's really funny if you'll stop there is real quick is that, um, shortly after you and I met, which is, it's, terrible to think gosh it's been more than two decades ago um you came to town um for a visit and I remember thinking nobody I know is cool enough to dress like you dress or like you were dressed on that trip Mm. and you were dressed like a total like bohemian 
kind of gypsy, like you were wearing the coolest, coolest clothes and in clothes that like, no, but not everybody can wear. Mm. You look so good. And I remember like then your essence being, it's resembling like what you're talking about with Rhea. So I just think that's really cool. I just thought about that. Well, that's amazing. Cause I, I mean, I clearly felt good about my body then. I wear black these days. Like I'm going to a funeral. <laughs> Maybe you're going to Carol's funeral. Maybe. Hey, I would love to go to Carol's funeral. <laughs> my God. Like I literally said the other day out loud to myself, Carol, I don't want you to get sick, but if you are sick, let me know. <laughs> Because she's just, she's such a stick in the mud, you know? And so, so what, what is, have you, have you figured out what is her purpose? Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm still figuring that out. Okay. Um, so right now her purpose is just to be a Debbie Downer. Well, I mean, I, I'm, it seems like from what I read about on these things that that critic's purpose is to keep you safe. Mm. And so what it is, is really your fears talking. And so, you know, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I want to go skydiving. That's Rhea. And then Carol is like, you're going to die. There's no doubt. <laughs> you know, she's just up there shaking her head with her arms crossed and just, you know, this is it. This is it. You know how you hear stuff like that? Well, I do. And, and I read a book a few years ago. It was a book by Liz Gilbert called Big Magic. And it has to do with, you know, being creative and, and things that can inspire your creativity and stuff like that. And one thing I remember her talking about is her talking about, and it was very close to the front of the book. And she said, fear has a purpose right. in your life. She said, fear has a purpose in your life and fear is there to protect you. And it actually is a good thing. And I remember reading the book going, well, where is this going? Because how is fear a good thing? Because it's even reading the Bible, do not fear. You know, it's like fear, fear, fear. This is a terrible thing. You know, people don't live themselves fully alive because of fear. And so I'm like, how is fear actually a good thing? And she was basically saying that fear is there to protect you. And the way that she chooses to handle fear is that if she is going to embark on a creative endeavor, she says to fear, okay, fear, we're going on a road trip. Right. You and I are going on a road trip and you are sitting in the passenger seat. And I want you to know that I'm aware that you're here. You're on the trip. Um, you're welcome here. You're welcome to have a voice in the trip, but you will not ever under any circumstance, you will never drive the car. And, and she says, you will never change the radio station. You, and you will never yeah. change the radio station. Yeah. And I really think I, that really is a beautiful way to handle fear. And, and maybe it's a way to handle Carol. It's like, if she's going to be around, I, I mean, I know you want her to die right now, but it's like, <laughs> is there a way to tell her like, you don't get to change the radio station? Yeah. I think, I think that's what I have to get to is you know, put her in the back seat, say you're coming along, but, uh, I don't want to hear much out of you, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I do, I am curious, like what is her purpose? But, um, I think she is speaking the fear that I don't realize I have. Cause mm -hmm. like if somebody, I was talking to my friend who, um, is also an aide on the Enneagram and you know, she was in, uh, a group and she basically was like, I, you know, somebody asked me like, what are you afraid of? And she said, I felt kind of like a pompous person, but I said nothing. <laughs> and I kind of feel the same way. Like if somebody said to me, what are you afraid of? I, I would really have to think about that because, well, because you've been through many of life's very scary things already. Like you've lost your mother. Yeah. You've lost your father. Yeah. You've lost a job. You've lost a pet. Mm -hmm. You've lost a car. You've lost 
a well, car, not a house, but you kind of lost a house. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's like you, you've been through a lot of the things that are like, okay, what is the worst case scenario? Like we said in an earlier episode, you, you said to me, Kat, what's the worst case scenario of everybody being in the same room together over the holidays? And you were like, worst case scenario, you're going to have to call an ambulance. Like yeah. it's going to be fine. Right. So that's beautiful that you really would have to sit and think about what would you actually be afraid of? Yeah. And maybe she is like the way of telling me that I actually do have fear. I'm just unaware of it. You know, like it's, it's her way of raising her hand and just saying this could be scary, mm -hmm. which is sweet because I need to recognize that I actually do have fears, mm -hmm. but it's like, I think the hardest part for me is, is when I really want to accomplish something. Like one of my dreams is to write a, a children's book mm. and, um, I probably about three years, I realized that that was something I wanted to do. And, um, I mean, I make every excuse of why I haven't done it yet. Mm. And I actually have the whole story in my head, but mm. uh, it's like, Carol is the one going like, you don't know anything about writing a children's book, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, Carol, shut up <laughs> and sit down. Uh -huh. We're going to go on this ride. We're, we're going to go on this ride. And one thing, one thing I was thinking of too, is you might want to, you might want to just say, if your name is Carol and you're listening, we're sorry. Oh yeah. Like this is not anything against Carol's. I've had some amazing Carol's in my life. One of my dear friends, middle name is Carol, but yeah, she just, when she asked me what her name was, Carol's just that, what came out. Was. Yep. So if you hear me going, Oh, Carol, <laughs> it's not against you. Anyone named Carol? No, I think, I think that's totally fine. Be careful. You're going to hurt yourself. You know, you talk about something you've you've wanted to do for a really long time. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do is I've always wanted to, I, I know that people in the media and people of influence and like, you know, I know we're not celebrities, but people who, you know, have some sort of platform, um, the U.S. Navy Blue Angels will sometimes take those people in plane number seven, which is their like kind of their PR plane. It's one of their solo planes. And the U S Navy blue angels are the U S Navy's recruitment team. Basically like they do air shows to make people excited about maybe joining the Navy. Yeah. And, um, but they will take, you know, journalists, people of influence up in plane number seven for a ride so that that person will then, you know, get on social media and talk about it and, and so on and so forth. And for years I have worked with, people who are very capable of receiving that invitation. And I am terrified of actually making it happen. Why? Because I think I'm too fat. Well, I think that they might say to me, we don't have a blue angels flight suit <laughs> big enough to handle your large body. And therefore I would get rejected. So it's like, it's okay, a for everyone listening. Thing. It's that is not fat. <laughs> That is what's messed up about this whole conversation. I understand that feeling with my body. I have issues as well where like we, this weekend I'm supposed to go snowmobiling with some friends for a birthday. And I specifically bought my own, um, ski suit for that reason was like, mm. I don't want to get there and something not fit. So I, I understand <laughs> you that. You don't want to get there and then go, we're sorry, we don't have your size. <laughs> but I want you to think about if I were the person saying that and you would be like, are you kidding me? I would me? slap you upside the head. Yeah, you'd be like, you know what? Then lose the weight if yeah. that's what you're worried about. Yeah, very true. So you already are on a weight loss journey. Why don't you decide that by the end of 2020, you're going to do that? 
I, I can, I can certainly set out to do that. And, but then here comes another fear, rejection. You're not special enough. You're not, you know, whatever it is. It's like to be told by the U S Navy. No. When my dad was a Navy SEAL, it's like, that's terrifying. So if I don't ever ask the question or make the approach, I certainly won't get rejected. Okay. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Okay. I mean, that's kind of your Carol. It, I mean, it sounds like it is. It sounds like it is. And I think I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as far along in therapy as you are. I don't think, but what I have learned and, and I've learned this, which is so interesting. Like I've learned this through the integrative body work that I've been doing is I've been able to identify there are different characters that are playing roles in my life. And, and I haven't really thought about how similar it is to what you're talking about with Carol and Rhea. And um, mine, mine don't have names yet, but the one who embodies Carol, I keep calling him buzzkill guy. Yeah. Because he just doesn't ever want me to have fun. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me is it's like, oh, that sounds like I could be wild and free and excited and living life to the fullest. And I feel like he goes, hey, 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 um, excuse me. No. No, you can't do that. And here's why. And so the other day when I was in my therapy session, my therapist says, you know what, you know, he's, he's walking in to say hello. And in, in my mind, I was like in a kitchen and, and, you know, buzzkill guy walks up to the door to say hello. And she said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to open the door. And she goes to let him in. And I said, maybe. And she said, all right. And, and so I let him in just a little bit. And then I slammed the door in his hand. Mm. And then I slammed the door in his hand again. I slammed the door in his hand three times and absolutely crushed Buzzkill's left hand trying to get in the door, feeling like he was welcome in, in my space. And then I basically was like, no, I don't want you here. So it sounds really similar to how you're like, Carol, like if you get sick and die, like I'm not going to be really sad about that. And the thing that I learned in that session is I learned what if buzzkill guy actually has a really good purpose. And what if he was programmed really, really early in his early programming in the early part of my life isn't serving me now. Mm, that's huge. And so does he deserve to be, even if it's not brought inside, does he deserve for me to walk out of, you know, my proverbial house and sit down with him and say, Hey, I'm really sorry. I slammed your door or slammed the door on your hands and let me, let me bandage you up. Let me take care of you. Let me help your hand heal. And also we're going to go on a journey together where I'm going to reprogram you so that not only are you invited into my life and to speak truth into my life, but you're, you're programmed in such a way that the wisdom that you bring and the, the protection that you bring serves me at this age and isn't serving me at age six, which is when we first met. Yeah. Like as you were saying that, that's what I pictured is like, he, he served you when you were young and mm -hmm. maybe needed more protection, mm -hmm. but you've been able to bust through those walls and now you need a different version of him. Yeah. Well, and to my therapist's point of, we need to have these conversations with them. Like, I think the same thing about Carol probably is like, there was probably a time and place where she has protected me. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the amazing thing about naming them, I think is then you can have a conversation with them outside of your body, outside of your head. Like, yep. like for instance, if, you, if I told you, okay, so my critic, I have this dream to ride with the blue angels, which is your dream. But, mm -hmm. and I have a friend who is telling me 
you're too fat to do it. Like you would lose your mind because yeah. you would be like, uh, uh, tell me where they live. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to go talk <laughs> I'm gonna to go them. Egg their house. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it's like, if you can bring that out in the open, which is everything that Brene Brown teaches of like, bring it out of the dark and into the light mm -hmm. and the Bible for that matter. <laughs> um, it, but that idea of like, okay, say it out loud. Like, okay, buzzkill dude, you know, says I'm too fat to go fly with the blue angels. Well, we're problem solvers. And mm -hmm. so it's like, let's okay. Let's say it's true. Let's play it out. You yeah. know how they do that in therapy where it's like, okay, so I'm going to ask you, okay, so you get to the blue angels and they say, you're a large woman. <laughs> Then what? And I, I say accurate. Okay. And then they say, we're going to have a hard time finding a suit to fit you. Then what? I suspected this might be an issue. Okay. And then they say, oh, we found one. Suit up. Then what? Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Here's the deal, Kat. I have known you for a long time. And I remember asking you 15 years ago, what are you afraid of? And you said that you're actually afraid of succeeding. Mm -hmm. Like I remember that because I didn't resonate with that at all. Mm. And I remember like having to think through like, that's weird. I don't feel that way at all. But I think like, not that the blue angels is everything. It's just one thing that you want to do. But yeah. it's like, I think that that is really what, what happens if I actually get to do those things, then what? And it's like, okay, guess what? You might have to work. Yep to get there, but it's like, well, we should have to work to get there. Like that's part of the journey. Well, and if you don't have to work to get there, it's, it's that old kind of adage that I feel like a lot of times parents tell their children who are at the age of getting a driver's license. If you don't have to work for the car, you don't appreciate the car. Yeah. So it's like, if I don't have to work really hard to be able to fly with the blue angels, I'm not going to enjoy the ride that I have with them as much as I would if I had to sacrifice something to get there. Exactly. So it's kind of this like yin and yang, like back and forth that it's kind of like the balance of the universe, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, you don't wake up. Well, some people do, but they're crazy. You don't wake up on a Saturday morning and go, I think I'm going to go downtown and run that half marathon, you know, <laughs> right, like right. you spent, there's a 12 week program to train you for it. And it's like, again, this isn't so much about the blue angels, but it's about everything that we do that stands in our way of going like, I mean, I'm going to be my best self. Yeah. I'm exactly. going to live my fullest life. I'm going to do the, the things that absolutely thrill me. You know, it's like who, I mean, there are roller coasters for a reason. They're skydiving for a reason. Mm -hmm. There's people that, that mountain climb without, you know, the spelunking gear for a reason. So, you know, it's like, we love the thrill. Like, I think that's part of the human condition, you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you, you kind of touched on, um, the buzzkill dude, mm -hmm. like tell me, cause I think I've seen it, but tell me what you and your essence looks like. You don't have to say a name, but what does that look like? Um, it really just looks like, like I'm a really passionate person and I'm a really spiritual person. And, um, I really love the, the thought of like all things are working together for, something awesome for not just me, but for the whole world and, and so on and so forth. So it's like, I feel like my, my Raya is this person that is just fierce and awesome and passionate and just ready to take the world by storm and drag a bunch of people with me who don't believe they can do it. Like hmm. that's a big motivator to me. Like yeah. my life mission statement is to beckon dreams to existence. That's huge for me. And I think it's really 
I feel like the only way that I can be really good at beckoning your dreams coming true is me being at my best self. Right. You know, so that that's kind of how I I envision my Rhea. And and I've also got this other, I guess we could call it a character, like your characters, um, who I call Spirit Man. And it's it's interesting because he looks like the guy that is on the restroom signs for the men's restroom. <laughs> like he's very like put together and but he's not like Carol. Um, he's very put together and, and kind of basic, but also he's like ultimately in charge. And I feel like he, a lot of the time is, is almost like a referee between like this passionate thrilled being and this want, want, you can't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that his role is really important too, because he's, I feel like he's learned over the years, like I have to be the facilitator between these two. And the reality is, is that I think what, what I'm just now realizing is, oh my gosh, like he's probably known for a really long time that both of these entities need reprogramming hmm. and how important that is on a regular basis to check in with that and go, Hey, you know, my really passionate, excited, you know, side that wants to be wild and have fun and, and be successful and bring people along for the journey. It's like that might need to be reprogrammed too, because at 20, what that might've looked like is real different than what it looks like at 40 per se. So, so when you call him your spirit, man, uh, is, does he, is he like the grounded one? Is he like your compass, your Holy spirit, your yeah, gut? I think, yeah. Yeah. I think I would say that he's like kind of my North star, like, yes, yeah. my compass, my gut, my, um, kind of my, I, I would say like my connection with, with God. Yeah. He's not God, but he's like the connector dude. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are the latest conversations you've had with Carol other than, hoping that she might be sick or die. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I mean, I can't think of anything specific, but I would just say in general, she is um, wanting to me, me to be conservative and, um, you know, whether it's finances or whatever, like if I'm going to make a big purchase on something, you know, I feel like she's the doubter inside my head. She's the person that's like, hmm, I don't know if this is a good idea. And for me, I usually have a lot of clarity. Like I'm not someone that takes a long time to make a decision. Like, as you know, from working with me, Mm -hmm. like it's like full steam ahead once I have an idea (laughs) and I feel like more than ever, and this could be part of a midlife crisis or, you know, just this age, but more than ever, um, I feel like I'm giving her attention where I didn't before Hmm. I didn't really allow her in the conversation. Um, so you just kind of shut her out kind of like what I was saying about slamming the door on buzzkills hands. Yeah. I think I, I'm just becoming aware that she's been there. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, again, I'm, I'll be curious to hear if anyone listening has some feedback on, on Carol, because like, I, I know she needs to sit at the table. I just, Wish she would do it with a bag over her head. <laughs> I just envision like this woman in a polyester suit that's like <laughs> way outdated, that's super buttoned up, like you said, with pantyhose yeah. and like light blue shoes yeah. and like a literally like a Kroger brown paper bag over her head. Yeah. Like not not the plastic ones because we, no, I mean, you might no, want to no, suffocate no, her. No, no, no. I don't want to suffocate her. Yeah. I just want her to quiet down. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want her to like smoke some weed and chill out. 
<laughs> you know, like Carol, just break a rule, would you? Uh-huh. She yeah. would probably have to go to like a state that it's legal in order to feel good about it because she does not like breaking rules. Yeah. Turn that thing off or someone's going to get electrocuted. So I have something I want to ask you about. All right. So Maren Morris tweeted slash Instagrammed a whole story about this country station that um, refused to play two females back to back on their playlist. What? Yeah. Wait. So like, do they, are they basically saying like, we can't play Maren Morris and then play Faith Hill, but we also can't play Blake Shelton and then play Thomas Rhett. No, you can with males, just not females. So it's specific to females. Specific to females. Why in the world? And it's the station's company that has the rule. And it's a real rule because I have a colleague that worked for them. And so, um, and it was interesting because it brought up the question in the industry. You know, there is a rule called artist separation where you don't want to play two Garth Brooks songs back to back, but male and female thing has never really been addressed. Um, so long story short, it sparked all this conversation and lots of people were asking questions of, is this really a thing? And it got me thinking, you know, I mean, this is a conversation we've had in the office, but you know, females in general get a really bad rap at radio. And I would say the one, um, the one genre that doesn't have this problem is pop radio top 40. They do a really good job of having a pretty 50, 50 male and female. Okay. Let me stop you there. That's really interesting. Do you know why? Well, I think they're smart enough to realize they cannot, uh, miss a song from a major artist. Can Hmm. you imagine a Jones brothers dropping a new single and somebody not playing it right away? Right. So I, I think, you know, there's a level in pop music of understanding, like, you know, if pink's going to drop a single, I need to be playing it mm-hmm. so I can get my listeners paying attention. But why wouldn't that be standard across all genres? There's something in the country and the Christian world that think that there needs to be a governing. So let's have more rules instead of going, Oh, this is popular. Let me. <laughs> so play it sounds it. like Carol is in charge of country and Christian Carol radio. <laughs> runs, Carol runs the South, the Southern part of radio, <laughs> the South's radio. She needs to be dethroned. Carol FM. That's what we, we need to give her own radio <laughs> Carol station. FM. So anyway, I mean, I've obviously run up against this, uh, doing what I do in the music industry and you know, the common, uh, belief, which I think is an urban legend is women don't like hearing women on the radio. Um, and, uh, I think that's a very outdated mm. thought. I think maybe it was true with our parents and our grandparents. Uh, but also we need to recognize there were a lot less women on the radio back, you know, like <laughs> men on TV and radio. Well, and, was, and, and I wouldn't say that that necessarily was uh, by choice as much as like society has evolved exactly. over the decades. It's yeah. like back in the thirties and forties, like women quote unquote had a place, yep. you know, it's like they're meant to be and in the 50s, kitchen. Yeah. In the sixties and even today, but, but more so then. So it's like, it, it feels like, I'm not saying that it's fair or that it's right, but it feels like, well, that would make sense. Make a little that, more sense. Yeah. yeah. That back then. I totally agree. So, um, so, you know, it's been my one job in my career to, to fight against that. I feel like it's been like the key thing that I talk about all the time. And, um, I just, I don't know. I just want to throw it out there in case you have these conversations in your own living room. Um, let's recognize it's like any kind of biases or biases, however you want to say that. 
Um, we all have bias, right? Whether we like it or not, yeah. how we grew up, what our you know parents were like, et cetera, we're going to have a bias. And the key is about getting through it is recognizing it mm-hmm. and then talking it through with yourself, with your community, your friends, and asking the question, wonder why it is that I feel that way. And that's the thing is like, maybe there are people out there. I remember my grandmother actually agreeing with that statement. She, anytime there was a newswoman on like the evening news, Mm -hmm. she, she would, and she's a wonderful human, but she would say, um, I just hate seeing a woman in a suit like that on the news. I want to see a man now, you know, she was in her nineties when she said things like that. So (laughs) she was born like 1918. Mm -hmm. So yes, like you said, there's a reasoning for that. I think we have evolved and I think, you know, this is not about smash the patriarchy, anything like that. I think what we have to recognize, number one, we need more female programmers in the radio side. And number two, let's not just believe these falsehoods, you Mm -hmm. know, like it, it's embarrassing to me that we have to, that, that part of my job is convincing someone that this song should even be taken into a meeting because they already have the bias of their female. And I'm telling you, it happens every week, Mm. every single week is immediately there's an idea of, well, this one's not going to work as well as others because it's female. And I have plenty of friends and colleagues that would say they have the data to back it up. Now, what I would say is show me the songs that work. There's something about the female songs that work that aren't in the female songs that don't work. And that's not female or male. It Mm -hmm. should be across the board. Mm -hmm. Hey, okay. Put all of those songs in a pile. Show me the ones that work and those who don't. Yeah. It shouldn't be male or female. Right. Agreed. So anyway, I just want to bring that up because it was frustrating. You know, I was really proud that she posted that because it brought the conversation forward again. Yeah. That's great that she did that. So props to you, Mara Morris for doing that and and bringing attention to that. And, And one thing that I want to bring attention to is that oftentimes when I have seen females in leadership who have failed, I have seen and heard it said kind of like, well, we tried, we tried putting a female in office and that didn't work. So therefore we're going to go back to the tried and true of putting a male in office. And it's like, okay, well, how many males have had, you know, scandalous affairs or bad business ethics or whatever it is. But for some reason that doesn't seem to leave as black of a mark on the gender as it does when a woman fails. And that's really frustrating to me because it makes you want to go, A, if you're a woman and you're going to be in public office or in the public limelight or in leadership, please keep your shit together, keep your shit together and have more integrity than anybody in the world. But at the same time, it's like, well, why should they be held to higher standards than their male counterparts? I agree. There should be more accountability. I mean, I, I say all the time, like, would you say, Oh, well, that's a African-American artist, not a white artist. No, No, that would be crazy. Right. Right. But we are willing to do that when it comes to male and female and gender. Yeah. And what is, what is the metric of accountability? I think that's really the, the biggest question is that, okay, if it's, if it's factually true (laughs) Mm -hmm. that, that females don't want to hear females, then okay, that's fair. But it's like, if there's, if it's not even true, if research doesn't prove that that's the case, then really it's like, who, who's holding the people making those decisions accountable to, 
to be following the facts. In my mind, I'm thinking about, you know, how each radio station, they send out a music test where you can get an email and you basically listen to a clip of a song. You say how much you like it. If it, if it's wearing you out, if you're familiar with it, all these different questions. And then sometimes they ask questions like what you just said to see if it's true, but can you even, it would, it would make me crazy if I saw on a music test, uh, if, if they've already determined that you're female, which they do ask that, do you like hearing females on the radio? Like, how do you even ask that without it sounding like, oh, you're right. I don't like those females. <laughs> you know, it automatically it's is. It's almost like they would have to ask, you know, do you enjoy hearing males on the radio? Do you enjoy hearing females on the radio? Do you enjoy songs with foreign language spoken on the radio? I mean, I don't know how they would even differentiate that. Here's the thing though. Think about oh, who, you know, who we're fans of. You know, I I obviously have artists that I'm a huge fan of that it's both male and female. Do you think anyone is going like, what is it about Alicia Keys that I love? Mm, because she's female. <laughs> no, you love good art. Yeah. And that yeah. that is ultimately the thing is like, so to where the accountability comes in, I think on a corporate level with what you were describing, there has to be some sort of board or something mm -hmm. accountability wise. But get more women into those positions and let them be accountable. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and look, there's good men, there's good women. Uh, this isn't about who's better. The point is, why are we even having a conversation? Like this is 2020, right? This is 70 years from 1950 when there <laughs> were, you know, advertisements and magazines of mm -hmm. women in the kitchen and, you know, advertising a stove. So like we are 70 years post that. So I would say the accountability needs to be personal. Like I mm -hmm. said, like you have a bias, address that bias. Why is it that I believe this way? Check in with yourself, ask those questions, notice why, and then be willing to grow from there. Well, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned that it's been 70 years since those ads have run. But if you look at the majority of people in leadership, in corporate leadership, in political leadership, they're in their seventies. Yeah. So these are people that are still operating under, under that mentality. So, so will it change naturally because, you know, obviously those people are eventually going to age out and younger people are going to come and fill the office. Is, is it a thing where much like thing, you know, civil rights issues like the Black Lives Matter or the LGBTQ plus community and stuff like that? Is it just a matter of time because society is evolving and always has and always will, or is it a, is it a thing against, you know, those, those people or those ethnicities or those genders? Like, I, I think that that's an interesting conversation to have yeah. is that, will it be different in 70 years? Because as a, as a, a human society, we have evolved over those 70 years. It's like, if you look at the, the dark ages and the reformation and stuff like that, like those things happen hundreds of years apart. Right. And so are we having rallies and fighting and stuff like that almost unnecessarily? But then again, it's like, well, if you don't, if you don't fight it, if you don't push the edge of it, then it's not going to move forward either. Right. Well, I, I, I think you've made a really good point of the age of people that are in those positions. 
Because maybe they still are adopting that idea, mm -hmm. you know? Well, you think 70 years ago, if that's when they were born, they didn't really form adult opinions about any of these kinds of things for another 20, 30 years. And so now we're talking 40, 50 years ago when they were really forming their opinions and now they're in positions of leadership. It's, it's just a, it, it's quite an interesting thing to consider. It really is. We are interesting. We are definitely interesting. And if you've got opinions about these things, we would love to hear them. Hello at catandmoosepodcast.com. Special thanks to our producer, Sarah Reed. To find out more, go to catandmoosepodcast.com. Production.